Good morning, everyone, wherever you are. Happy return of NFL Day. This is Doug Farrar, editor of Touchdown Wire with Mark Schofield, our five-tool guy, and data champion, which we're going to do in a second. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Uh, tonight, we're recording this Thursday morning. Tonight, there is actual football. Now, it's Mason Rudolph and Ben DiNucci football, but it's also Najee Harris and Micah Parsons football and the you know, uh, Steelers-Cowboys Hall of Fame game. So... Uh, to celebrate that occasion, it's the return of Doug and Mark on the pod, uh, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever you find your fine podcasts, you can find them here and we'll have all that up on the um, on the Touchdown Wire site, of course, as we always do. Before we get into what I want to do for this particular podcast, Mark, tell me about the Sports Info Solutions Data Challenge. I'm a huge SIS fan. We use their data all the time. And you, sir, with, uh, it was Keegan Abdu, who I know, and two other guys I don't know. Um, there was an SIS data challenge, and you guys won. It's so fun. Cool. Glorious victory. Um, Glorious victory. It, it was a fantastic sort of process and event. Um, I was just honored to be a part of this team. Um, the SIS data challenge this year, they had actually two different tracks. One was a, a sports betting track. The other, which we did, was the general football one. And there were two sort of questions or prompts. The first being which route concept or combination was the most popular in the NFL last year. And then what routes are what route combinations are most successful against which coverages. And they gave you a bunch of their data. Um, So the group I was a part of, like you said, Keegan Abdo, uh, Joe Ferriola, who are two guys at NFL next gen, uh, Dr. Bud Davis, who's a a geologist by trade and myself, uh, we got together to do this. And basically what we did, I say we in the sort of the royal we, because Bud was a driver of a lot of this. First, we built a football route concept dictionary. Um, and, and that's a lot of the stuff that I helped with, you know, Mills, Portland, Stick, like, you know, what are the general route concepts? And then we looked at the data because the data you had would tell you like what receiver, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three on both sides ran which routes. And so we used that route dictionary we built to then try to come up with that initial answer to that question. And we could only identify 70% or so of the plays. So the next thing we did, which Bud did, which is just brilliant. It's awesome. He built what's called a convoluted neural network, which basically is machine learning where we put graphics of route concepts in front of the machine and gave it the opportunity to identify anywhere from one to three potential route concepts it could be. And we had some examples and you can find our presentation on Twitter, online, various other places, but just to break in. So with the CNN, what you're doing is you're okay. This is a drawing of a slant. And then with the SIS data, obviously you can look in the data hub and go, this is, you know, receivers on slants, receivers on digs, whatever. Um, I'm fascinated because we, you and I have both done studies on individual routes, whether it's, yeah. you know, quarterbacks, receivers, coverage, whatever. The whole idea of being able to identify route concepts in a metric sense is like. Yeah. Like, like for example, we, we taught it that, you know, smash was corner curl, right? Corner from the inside, you know, hit your curl from the um, outside receiver. Then we also told that flat seven smash, the little variation of it, where you have a corner from the outside guy and then a flat route from the inside receiver. Well, this model picked up an example of 
flats, what it called flat seven smash, where you had corner on the outside and then a pivot or whip route on the inside receiver, which gets you to the same sort of spaces on the field with the corner and the flat. You're still high, low on that outside defender. It's just that inside receiver got there from a different way and the machine picked that up. It also picked up an example of Haas, you know, hitch seam. It had like a deeper comeback route and it said, oh, this is Haas, which if you look at the depth and the graphic, it matched up. And so that allowed us to sort of that bucket of 30% of plays that we couldn't identify with the route dictionary. It allowed us rather than just tossing those aside to incorporate the bulk of those in there. Now, you know, there were some false positives and, you know, there are sort of some sample size issues. We stripped out uh, running back routes um, because we weren't sure if running backs were given free releases or. Although checking. I thought, yeah, just to break it, I thought Rick Neuheisel, who yeah. was on the, the panel, had a really interesting point about, well, if you cut out running back routes, you're eliminating when running backs leave it open for receivers right. on that side or vice versa, where the receiver, you know, runs a go and takes the safety out and the whole idea is wheel. Right. And, you know, another example of that, it was a route concept that we thought we were going to see more of, but really didn't, at least through the machine learning and the route dictionary was Texas, where you have slot on the go and then the receiver runs the choice or the option route that only came up. That only got tagged, I think, like six times out of, you know, 17,000 players or whatever. And so we thought, you know, there's something wonky here. So we sort of stripped that out. So running back routes was kind of a weakness by stripping those out. And of course there are obviously situations where the running back is a primary read on the play, you know, whether it's wheel or Texas or halfback option. And so, you know, that's a weakness. There were some sample size issues, but once we were able to get a pretty good chunk of these plays identified, that's when we did some really fun stuff. Like we looked at, Obviously, routes, concepts versus different coverages. And again, sample size issues. You might see, you know, Dino Dino, however you're going to term that, against cover four like a handful of times. Um, but still some interesting stuff in terms of expected points added, route concepts versus different coverages. We looked at middle of the field open versus middle of the field closed, which we thought was important, trying to get into the mind of the quarterback because – you know, quarterback gets to the line of scrimmage. He's trying to make that read. A lot of concepts, a lot of decisions are made. Middle field open, you're reading this concept. Middle field closed, you're going to read that concept. So we wanted to sort of tease that out a bit. Uh, I, I looked a lot at RPOs, um, what concepts, what concepts worked best as an RPO. And again, we came up with a ton of sample size issues there. Like Dino, Dino, maybe it was it was our best play almost our best play overall, double posts. Um, and it was one of the best plays on an RPO, but it was run, I think, six times. And so we kind and of... Sean McVay put, probably ran five of those in the goal uh, in goal line. <laughs> McVay and, and McVay and uh, the Chargers were another team that ran it a lot, yeah. um, which makes sense with Herbert. Um, so we, we didn't really incorporate that in our presentation at the judges panel, but we did have that stuff sort of in the presentation, the initial submission. And that's something that I'm curious to watch, you know, next season going forward. But it was it was it was a tremendous experience. Um, you know, Bud and Keegan and Joey are absolutely brilliant. Uh, I learned a ton from them. It was fun to sort of be a part of it. Now I've surrounded myself with code and books, so I'm going to, you know, become even more dangerous, I guess, as this goes it's along. Be, but it's going to learn R and just take yeah. it real um, But it, it was just a, a great, you know, process. And props to Joe Andrewsy and Joseph C. Uh, they were the other two finalists. Up, yep. You know, they were each an individual submission. And we were lucky as a group because we could break things up and, you know, have eyes to, and ears to bounce things off of doing something like this on your own is, is a monumental Herculean effort. 
So the two of them should certainly be commended. You can find them on Twitter as well. Um, they did incredible work. And Joey Druzzi won the, the NFL's data bowl um, yeah. you know, months ago. So he, he's certainly brilliant at this. And Joe sees on Twitter at Patriot Stats R, I think. Um, so obviously I'm going to be hitting him up for his stuff over the next couple of months. But yeah. A, a great little experience. It was fun. Um, learned a ton. I'm going to apply some of this stuff going forward. And yeah, it was, it was a great little event and it raised money for the boys and girls club. And it's always good to, to help the community as well. Nice. Well, me as your annoying editor immediately. Okay. Can you do an article on route concepts? Yeah. I mean, I've already started sketching that out again. There will be sample size issues, but of course, you know, it's, it's always interesting. The, the reason why I wanted to do this originally was because I kind of wanted to test. If you remember last March or whatever, I wrote that future of offensive football piece. Yep. And a lot of my, my idea there was, okay, teams are playing too high, daring you to run. Sometimes they'll spin it to single high, but you're going to want concepts that work well against too high. And I came up with pout post out. That's the dream concept, right? Cause it can stress cover four, cover two, whatever. And we found that was one of our worst performing route concepts. So what I thought was amazing was to take sort of a film theory and then test it through data analysis. And now I've got ideas of maybe why it's better at the college level and the pro level. Maybe it worked better. Again, small sample size. But when you ran post out as an RPO, it worked better. And that probably is due to having that curl flat defender, that overhand defender. Perhaps if he's involved in the run fit, he's late to buzz out to the flat so he can throw the out route a little bit easier. But so, yeah, I mean, I think it's cool to like take an assumption or an idea or a hypothesis from film and now be able to test it with data. So you're aligning film and metrics. You're never going to be a hot take artist that way. Did Jay Cutler, it would be interesting to go back to previous seasons. Did Jay Cutler run pout more than anyone else? I'm, I'm betting. I'm absolutely betting he did. (laughs) <laughs> all right so very cool stuff uh and I, i'm i'm fascinated to see where you guys take the route combinations idea because that's something we don't i mean we maybe teams do uh in alignment with pff ultimate or whatever in just their own studies but you know for the you know the end user for what we do i've not seen that out there so it's really cool yeah, I mean, it's certainly cool. And it's, you know, I know there have been studies like what route, what individual route works against best coverages, but I think that's sort of the next step. Like you don't just call individual routes. You're going to call right. concepts, you know, like you'll have stick, you'll have mills, Portland, whatever. Um, and the idea. Oh, well, is, oh, I have Mike McCarthy on line one. He disagrees. <laughs> you just call tosser all slants. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so. I think that's a good way to look at it. And the other thing that I'm really fascinated, we again ran into sample size issues, but what pair of route combinations works best? Like we, we found one that was good was dagger. And I think outs or, or tosser. So this so is one a, to one side of the field and one to the other. Yeah. Which so you, you, had, you got more three by one and more spread sets. That makes sense. You're, you know, yeah. It, it you plus, it up. What I was curious, and I, you know, I, I had that sort of response teed up, but I didn't really get asked it. And I tried to work it into an answer, I think, to one of Seth Walder's questions, who's again brilliant. All the judges yeah. incredible. ESPN guy. Um, but I think you know, that sort of dagger to one side, West Coast short concept to the other side is a good example of quarterbacks making a decision sort of pre-snap or right at the snap, like, okay. I've got man coverage. I've got cover zero. I could take the deep shot on that inside scene, that inside go on dagger, 
oh, no, 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 they're playing off, they're dropping, it's cover four, I got to sort of check this down, take what the defense gives me. That's sort of what quarterbacks are doing. That's what they're going to do on a given play. You know, I see one coverage, I'll read it this way. I see a different coverage, I'll read it this way. You know, whether it's a man versus zone read or middle field open, middle field close, and that's why you're going to have sometimes half, you know, what we call, you know, half field reads. It's really they're looking at they have options full field sideline to sideline, but they'll eventually read one side of the field based on the defensive coverages. So going forward, when we get more data, I want to really see, okay, what concept pairings work best? Is it really just explosive to one side, sort of check down or what we call on schedule to the other? Do mirrored concepts work best where you've got mirrored curl flat? You know, I, I didn't make the joke last night, but. You know, in, in the rehearsals that we did, I had the line keyed up. You know, there isn't a problem that Matt Nagy thinks, you know, mirrored curl flat can't solve. I mean, he called mirrored curl flat all the time. Do mirrored concepts really work better or is it better to have explosive one side on schedule than to the other? So that's well, my, yeah, my, that next year. My first thought with the, the left side, right side is like, OK, cover six is becoming the, the thing. Yeah. Um, how do you beat quarter, quarter, half? And not just with one route, but with the whole thing. The yeah. Whole I mean, it, it is, is really you know, you've got to hope you've got your cover four beater to the right side of the field and then your cover two beater to the other side of the field. Because if you guess wrong or they, you know, spit it on you, where suddenly you're running a concept designed to beat cover four, you know, to the cover two side, that could be where you sort of get into trouble as an offense. And, you know, that's where, you know, advanced film study comes in because if you see, okay, quarters, you know, good. You know, dino double post is a good way to beat quarters because you get outside leverage, corner, trying to run and, you know, cover a post route that's breaking to the inside. And that inside post takes the half field safety away. But against cover two, you can sort of match that better. And of course, that also gets us into variations and matching and all sorts of stuff. And my head starts to hurt. Yeah. Well, all the option routes. And yeah, we could, we, there could yeah. be a whole podcast about just this, uh, yep. which we may do later on. But since uh, football is back, maybe. Uh, we wanted to do uh, both you and I did power rankings, preseason power rankings. You did yours on, was it July 21st? Yeah. Um, mine went up yesterday. Uh, a few things have changed since you put yours up. Uh, the Colts are injury plagued. The Vikings are even stupider about COVID. But what I wanted to do, I didn't even think that was possible, but they are. Anyway, I uh, wanted to go through our individual power rankings, see where we had the same teams uh, aligned and where we were different. There are a few where you are much higher on some teams and I'm much higher on some teams. And just want to kind of run through uh, kind of a good primer into the season, kind of where we, you and I each see teams standing as the season begins, uh, just individually and collectively. So I wanted to start with uh, number 32, <laughs> the Texans. I mean, I, I don't say here, this is the worst roster in the NFL. If Deshaun Watson is on the team, which is kind of an indictment because he's a top five quarterback. And then he ain't going to be there. I don't know where he's going to be. He's not going to the Eagles, by the way, let's let I, you know, there are all these rumors about, the, okay. The Eagles are not going to trade multiple first round picks for a guy who may not play this year. And if they get him, the the Wentz dead cap is 30 plus million. And then Deshaun Watson's hit this year is like 15 million. They would be spending $50 million in cap this year on two guys who will not play for them this season and give up multiple first round picks. I can think of people who would do that, like Bill O'Brien and Matt Millen. Uh, I don't think Howie's one of those guys. So let's no. just dispense with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that there's still some sort of smoke around there, but 
it, it's not smart business when, when you're going to be allocating that kind of cap space, you know, and you've already got, you know, you're not in great shape with respect to the cap. So to, to allocate that kind of cap space to two quarterbacks who won't be there. And the other thing to keep in mind here with Wentz's injury, it's looking more likely like, you know, the Eagles aren't getting that first round pick from right. Indianapolis because he's not going to hit that 75% of the team snaps. And so, you know, you won't have an extra first round pick to then flip for Deshaun Watson. So yeah, I don't think this happens. Not going to happen. So uh, Texans are 32nd in both of our power rankings. Not really a surprise there. I was gonna, I was kind of going through the roster in my power. Ranking. Okay. How many Texans players are like league average or above? Because the roster looks like those mid 2000 Mariners teams where Howard Lincoln and Chuck Armstrong said, Hey, if we get a bunch of unspectacular little gritty guys, um, you know, nine woolly Bloomquists uh, will be great. And of course they weren't because, you know, they're the Mariners. Tyrod Taylor can get things done on the right system. But we don't really know what Houston system will be. David Johnson. Yeah. Three years ago, Brandon cooks. Sure. Larry Tunsil. Yeah. Whitney merciless and Malik Collins. I like Malik Collins. Merciless still has some juice. Um, Zach Cunningham might be their best player. He's a linebacker. That doesn't yeah. help. And he's an uh, off ball linebacker. Yeah. Like, so, They've got maybe Justin Reed. They've got six or seven guys who are league average or above, and everything else is just oatmeal. Uh, yeah. I I don't know what else to say here. I, I, I mean, we all know what the Texans are. Yep. Uh, yeah, 31, 31, we both had the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I find this interesting because in our previous podcast, you had opined that this might be a playoff team. I don't see it at all. And most of my concern is with Urban Meyer. Um and just, you know, that's part of it. They were one in 15 team last year. You can't build that overnight. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts about why they're still 31st? I mean, it, it's a lot of it, Doug, is like I have to see it sort of come together. And what we've seen and heard so far out of Jacksonville training camp, I'm not sort of convinced that it will come together. You know, my, my hope was – between the cap space, between the draft capital that they had, they'd be able to turn this around quickly because they had like six picks in the top 90. They had a ton of cap space. I'm not so sure they allocated those resources as well as they could have. You know, I, I think there are signs for optimism. You know, you look at, obviously, we know what Trevor Lawrence is going to be. I, I think he's going to be a legitimate good quarterback, two great quarterback early in his career. You know, I'm still curious about how they're going to use Travis Etienne. They might have gotten something great in Walker Little. Reports, you know, now, our, our yeah. colleague, Lawyer Fitzpatrick, you guys were both extremely high on him. You're hearing really good things about him. So maybe he plays himself into the starting lineup. Who knows? Um, like, 70, like 70 snaps in uh, 2019, and then last year he opted out. But if you go back to his 17 and 18 tape, um, Obviously, Sewell and Slater are better overall players. You could argue that Vera Tucker or a few other guys. <clears throat> but as far as pure pass blocking, um, and I said this during our draft pod, pro, podcast, Walter Walker, Walker Little has no equal in this class as a pure pass blocker, running the arc, dealing with counters, all that stuff. Um, I believe Lori, hint, hint, spoiler, spoiler, is working on a, a Walker Little piece for us right now. So that's cool. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I think he could. He might wind up being the second best pick in this class. Yeah, and, and so there are good signs, but 
then there's the urban Maya factor and, and I, you were a bit cooler on the urban Maya factor. I was a bit more, I'm more. in the dude, I'm in the, I'm in the freezer with this. Yeah, I, I've, I, I've seen I've, this. I've seen this before where you get the guy who Belichick loves him and four other NFL coaches love him primarily because, and Saban smart enough to know what this is. They get NCAA Intel guys like Belichick get NCAA Intel from guys like Meyer and Saban because their teams are just freaking loaded. Belichick doesn't talk to Urban Meyer because he thinks, oh, you'd be a wonderful NFL coach. That's not what, in my opinion, that's not why they're doing it. So to have this guy, oh, he's so NFL respected, so it'd be such an easy transition. Well, most of the time it's not. Yeah. And so, you know, as a result of that, I've kind of, you know, I ranked them 31st, just like you did. And, you know, the idea that they're a playoff team now, maybe look, Indianapolis seems to be, a little shaky right now with the Wentz situation and the Quentin Nelson situation. We know what Houston is. Maybe there's a chance they surprise, but I've sort of walked back from that sort of, this is a potential playoff team stance. Yeah. Uh, number 30 is the first time we differ. You have the Detroit Lions at 30. I have the Carolina Panthers. Uh, explain yourself. Um, a, I'm kind of, Bit, I'm more optimistic about Sam Darnold in Carolina than perhaps I should be. And a lot of that is the Joe Brady influence. But then I look at, we know what Jared Goff is. Like, I, I think we know exactly what Jared Goff is as a quarterback. I described, I, we, I did a podcast with Aaron and Mike from FO last week. And how I described Goff is he's a quarterback who not only has a very low ceiling, but he has concussed himself hitting his head on that ceiling. And that's what, that, that's what the Lions have. And their best receiver is Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. I don't care how good your offensive line is. You're not going to win a lot of games with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I just Detroit's a couple of years away. I'm a bit more hopeful that Sam Darnold from out from under the, the Adam Gase shadow is going to be better, but perhaps that's misguided. Um, it's maybe a belief in, in Joe Brady. It's also a belief in Terrace Marshall. I was a huge fan of his coming out, but if there was going to be an ideal situation for him to go to, it's Carolina and Joe Brady sure. and the reports of, of him are rather high. Um, you know, so I look at that and I say, and I like what Carolina's building on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm a bit higher on Carolina than Detroit right now. I like their defense. Their secondary was garbage last year, but they got uh, JC Horn. That's good. Um, remember that Phil Snow's defense had Aaron Rodgers saying late in the season, oh, that was strange. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers didn't know what he was seeing. So, yeah. Right. Um, my problem with Darnold is there are a few things that I look at with college quarterbacks where I think he's not going to fix this in the NFL. And you can make minor mechanical adjustments. But Darnold at USC, I, I did a lot of tape on him um, back then. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm going, his upper body and his lower body do not communicate. No, this is this is not now, of course, Adam Gase isn't going to fix that. But, you know, and you know this from evaluating quarterbacks, you have to take the idiot who's calling the plays out of the picture and you have to isolate the quarterback when you're doing these sort of cross team analysis things. And with Darnold, I mean, he will make spectacular plays, but it's not it's not driven by mechanical consistency. You yeah. know, he's got arm talent. He's got, you know, I assume he's smart enough to see what he's, you know, to know what he's looking at. But when you are mechanically inconsistent to that degree, 
you are going to be a combination of explosive plays and mystery meat. And that's just kind of where I stand with them. And that's why I have them so low. And I get into this a lot in my power rankings right now. If you don't have a quarterback who can consistently create explosive plays because it is an absolutely explosive play league, creating them and stopping them. Most important of all, I'm, I'm kind of learning the more I go into this. If you don't have that guy, I, you know, I don't care who you are. I don't care what else you have. And the other thing I'll point out, you've had a quarterback transition from Cam Newton to Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold when you're Matt Rule. Is there a plan here? Because I don't see it. That There isn't a plan. They're kind of throwing darts at guys hoping that something works at the game's most important position. I don't know what to say about that. And they had an opportunity to address quarterback. They they chose not to in the draft. Um, I do think that with respect to Darnold and his mechanics, this will be – sort of the ultimate test of Jordan Palmer. Um, yes. You know, he's been working with Darnold. Last year it was Josh Allen. And I, I'll, look, there are a number of reasons why Josh Allen had the year three leap. You can make a case that it was Stephon Diggs. You can make a case that it was the consistency with offensive coordinator Brian Dable. But I don't think you can over, over account for the work that Josh Allen himself did, partly with, you know, Jordan Palmer. And Right alongside him is Sam Darnold. And so we might see sort of the fruits of that labor out from the gay shadow with a different play caller, with different offensive weapons, with I'd say better offensive weapons than he had with the Jets. And so maybe, I mean, I, I'm still hopeful. I'm, I mean, you know, I, I, I would say also that Allen's ceiling is several floors higher than Darnold's. Yeah. yeah. And Darnold's floor, I mean, Allen coming out of Wyoming, who the hell knew what he was going to be? Um, Darnold's floor may, might be a little bit higher, but this we're we're not talking about the same guys for a ceiling, in no, my opinion. No, absolutely not even not. close. Not even in the zip code. Um, kind of like Garoppolo and Trey Lance, which we'll talk about later. Because oh, oh boy, that's coming like a train down the track. Okay, yeah. twenty nine in our power rankings. I went with the Detroit Lions. You went with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think we talked about the Lions enough. It's Jared Goff, and I will just say that I don't think. Jared Goff is their long-term guy. I wouldn't be surprised if they're drafting a quarterback early um, with one of those uh, Stafford picks. I, I think, honestly, the more tape study I've done on Goff, and I did some in the offseason just to kind of – because when I have a profoundly negative opinion on a player, I it makes me want to go back, okay, is it just am – I, am I getting clouded in my opinions and I'm just sort of – extrapolating things that don't exist. And the more I watch golf, the more I think this guy could be out of the league in three years. It's bad. Yeah. And at, as I, I was talking to Aaron and Mike from FO last week and on the podcast, and like, the things that made him special three years ago, play action motion, um, you know, the 21 personnel, the tight splits, all that stuff that made him special in 2018, he has regressed massively in all those departments. Like the stuff that helped you, you now suck at. What do you do with that? Because Anthony Lynn, God bless him, is not Sean McVay. No, I think he's screwed. I think he's done. I mean, I I think they're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle, but they're expecting to draft a quarterback next draft cycle. Like, I'm with you. I don't think that golf is the long term answer. I almost wonder if that Super Bowl like broke him and he's just a shell of what he was that season because all the stuff you could try to scheme up for him now, it, it hasn't made him the decisive you know, quarterback that he needs to be. And, you know, when they made that trade for Stafford, that was what it came down to for me was McVay will finally have a quarterback that at least can make up his mind quickly. 
Like if nothing else, that's what, you know, Matthew Stafford, of course he offers more, but he offers that and that's huge. Well, it was the Detroit game late in that season where teams started to figure him out. And then the Bears game, which apparently was the thing that made Sean McVay hire Brandon Staley. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't just a Super Bowl. It wasn't just the Patriots saying, okay, after the helmet checks off 15 seconds, then we can just, you know, flip coverage. And yeah, it was, we're it gonna was sh- like, it was like five straight games. Yeah, it was Detroit. It was Chicago. It was Philadelphia. And then Philadelphia. It was- oh God, his red zone throws against Philly were, uh, I mean, that's an undraftable player in that yeah. instance. And it was basically ignore the jet motion, ignore the eye candy. Yes. We're going to play quarters. We're going to make yes. Jared Goff have to read it. There you go. He's never been the same since. Now, when no. you can take a, a few elemental concepts and, and mess a guy up like that for, for two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. Your power rank is at 29 Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Are we worried uh, about Burrow? Well, okay. I, I had the Bengals at 28. Here's what I'll say. Through the first 11 weeks of the 2020 season per Sports Info Solutions, who we, of course, like, no quarterback had more zero to three-step drops than Joe Burrow. And even with all that quick game, Burrow suffered 26 sacks and 108 pressures. Only Wentz had more sacks and short drops. Only Josh Allen was pressured more often. Then the knee injury happened. Well, they're lying now because they went with Jamar Chase instead of Sewell or Slater. They got Jonah Williams, who's great, can't stay on the field. We don't know if he's a tackler or guard. We don't know if he's going to be on the field. You got, you know, guys like Riley Reef with, like, talk about low ceilings. And a bunch of guys, I mean, Bobby Hart's finally out of there, thank God. But they don't, it, it's like, what are, you, what are you doing? Are you trying to turn him into Greg Cook? Do you just love that story so much that you're going to have the next guy? Am I worried about Burrow? Yeah. I'm worried about his getting, getting his ass plastered turning into the next Russell Wilson, except he's not built like work done like Russell Wilson is. And, you know, this is a problem. And their line isn't any better than it was last year unless Jonah Williams turns into like Joe Thomas and Riley Reef, you know, outplays his career and these other guys step up. Uh, I don't care how many receivers you have. I don't care. Jamar Chase could be the next Steve Smith. I don't give a crap. It, it doesn't matter how great he is when he's running a, a, a – post and his quarterback is dying writhing in pain after his fifth sack of the day it's just stupid yeah i don't even want to get into lou amaruno's defense because whatever uh oh but but they lost two of, th- two of their three best players in carl lawson and william jackson the third and they replaced them with inferior guys in trey hendrickson and shadobia wuzier so yeah uh this this might be this might be zach taylor's swan song yeah. Not, that it, not that it's all his fault, but this could be it for, for that. I think so. And it's not like what we're – you take training re, re, camp reports with a grain of salt, but the reports out of Cincinnati right now are not good. I yeah, mean, that, that, that whole thing, I read that, you know, I, I think he's, he's getting himself back into shape. And I'm not going to ascribe any uh, credibility to that until I see him on the field, you know, see him in games. Um, and I don't know what their plan is for him as far as that goes, but yeah. Are, are you worried about Burrow? Hell yeah. You're worried about Burrow. This is where we are. Yeah. 28. Um, let's see. 28. I had the Bengals 28. You had the jets. And with respect to the jets, I love what they're doing. I, you know, you can see the Patriots thing over my shoulder. 
I am a lifelong Patriots fan. The accent gives it away. But I think the Jets are building something that could be special. I, I love the Vera Tucker selection. I love Becton, Vera Tucker, as Wilson's blind side for the next eight years. I think that's fantastic. Yep. Again, try not to overreact, but everything about Elijah Moore sounds incredible. Oh, and well, we said uh, in our post draft podcast, the Zach Wilson Elijah Moore combination that's going to be nuts, and it's already proven to be so. That's just a natural fit in so many different ways. Yeah, and so, and you know, even on the defensive side of the ball, I think the Larson, the Carl Lawson addition is nice. The Jets are probably still going to struggle this year. But I don't expect them to be like 28 for long. No. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. Yeah. Here's what I think the 2021 Jets are to a large degree. They're the 2019 Dolphins. Yeah. You punt Adam Gase. You get a highly respected defensive guy to be your head coach, a guy who can establish culture, keep everyone accountable. You know, you get a good offensive guy in there and you start to build it. Well, the Dolphins, everyone thought tankathon. And they almost made the playoffs the next year. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Jets, but the paradigm is very similar after the, you know, 50 pound drum of toxic waste that is Adam Gase. You know, now we're getting smart. Yeah, I put an Elijah Moore highlight in my uh, Jets power rankings and it's like, holy crap, this kid is something else. Yeah, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. Yep. Uh, 27. Gosh, I, you know, when I was doing mine, where did I have them? I think I had the Raiders in the low 20s. You had them at 27. And I I was thinking about it. Like, I pushed the Falcons up, and I'll explain why. I almost pushed the Raiders down. They've had seven first-round picks in the, in the Gruden era. And really outside of Josh Jacobs and Colton Miller, it took a while. Um, they got a lot of guys playing third team. They got guys who, like, aren't on the team anymore. And I know they like to think that they're smarter than everyone else. And, you know, we're going to do it our way. Well, your way, your way stinks. Your coach is 19 and 29. Your coach with a 10 year, hundred million dollar contract. Now, if they can't get over 500 this year, we all know that Mayock's going to be the one who takes the bullet, but this is, I don't think we, t- and I have a great deal of respect for Mike Mayock. I really do. Um, I have a great deal of respect for John Gruden as an offensive play caller. Everything else, who knows? But I don't think we talk enough about the ineptitude of this front office from a draft perspective because it's bad. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I had the list of, let me bring it up here. Yeah, I had, I had the Raiders at 22nd. So you got Colton Miller, Cleveland Farrell, Josh, Farrell, they took what, fourth? Josh yeah. Jacobs, who's really the guy. Jonathan Abram, he's been hurt. Rugs, I just don't think they used well. Damon Arnett, which that was a risky pick when it happened. And I think Casey Hayward is playing ahead of him right now. Damon's yep. with the twos. Uh, Farrell's with the twos. A lot of these guys are with the twos. And Alex Leatherwood, 17th overall, he was my OT10. So whatever. I just, you know, I had him at 22. <clears throat> and in retrospect, I saw you at 27. I'm like, yeah, it's probably where I should have put him. Yeah, I mean, the. Uh- like I have the Vince Lombardi, what the hell is going on out there clip? Yeah. You know, I just, I just don't know what to make of this organization right now. <laughs> I do think this is trending towards a, you know, Mike Mayock is gone. And there were even rumblings of tension when the Leatherwood pick was made that somebody might get fired. Now, you know, that was probably just somebody firing off a tweet in the middle of the night after the first night of the draft. But 
this seems like a roster and an organization that is just going in the wrong direction and bad mistakes have compounded more bad mistakes and it's just a mess. Uh, 27, I had the Jets. I think we're pretty much in the same place with those guys. 26, I have the Chicago Bears. 26, you have the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I will say this about, <laughs> for the first time since dinosaurs roamed the earth, the Bears have a legitimate quarterback prospect with no real dings and the skill set to eventually place himself atop the league or near enough to it in Justin Fields. So, of course, <laughs> because of the Bears, now Allen Robinson is going to play more in the slot, and their outside guys are Demir Bird and you're for Demir Bird, Darnell Mooney, and whoever else. Um, and you've talked about Matt Nagy's interesting route ideas. I mean, is there the potential that Fields could be not ruined but really curtailed in this, or if Nagy and Ryan Pace are on the on the bubble, and God knows they should be at this point, do they? Overinvest in Andy Dalton because he's quote unquote safe. I don't know. I mean, you could see it going the other way where they might run fields out there and say, look, you know, we've got something here. Like give us time to develop this kid. The, the issue is, do you trust Matt Nagy to develop a quarterback? I mean, and what he did with Mitchell Trubisky, it was, you know, I'm just going to call Merritt Carl flat. Like that's all he could run. Now, maybe that was it. Maybe it was, he couldn't get Trubisky to do anything, so he was just. No, I'm call. He, that's not true because Trubisky was really good in boot. He was really good with RPOs. He was really good in specific things that Nagy could have built up, and he didn't. Yeah, and so that's so, more. That's more the coach trying to superimpose his limited sort of bull crap, whatever, on whoever he gets. So I'm looking at Fields, and I'm like, well, this isn't automatic. Yeah, it's not automatic, and I, I think there are concerns that you know Fields could get sort of ruined in this situation, but. I'm still so high on Justin Fields anyway that I think you often wonder, can a quarterback overcome a bad situation, a young quarterback overcome a bad situation? Darnold perhaps couldn't. Maybe I think Fields can. Um, most guys can't. I think most guys Fields, can't. Yeah. Um, I'm not questioning Fields' talent at all, and I was the one screaming all over the place when people were questioning his intellect because yeah. we all knew what that was. Uh, so 26, you have the Falcons. I have the Falcons at 21. I'd like to hear your take on where Atlanta is. I don't know where they are. And like that's the question that I have. And that's why I've kind of dropped them down a bit because an offense with Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, like I'd go all in on that offense. I, I think that's something special an offense that then removes Julio Jones from that tells me, where do you think you're going? Are you starting a rebuild here? Are you starting to try to get resources in place to make a run at a quarterback next year? Like, and if you were going to do that, why pass on a quarterback this year? You had your choice of fields or, you know, Jones at four, at least maybe you weren't sold on either of those guys. That's why I sort of slid them down because it seems to me like they don't know what they're doing. They're, you know, two ships passing into the night. Almost. Well, they restructured Matt Ryan's contract to, to, you know, bulldoze it up to the next two years. And the cap hit is prohibitive to where you'd almost not want to play a rookie. And in this day and age, you don't sit a, a quarterback for two years. You don't do that. Aaron yeah. Rodgers is the last guy that will ever happen to. Yeah. So, so. You know, that's where I'm like, I'm curious, you know, you've got them higher. Like, what is it with Atlanta that, gives you hope well they're four and 12 in 2020 
And yeah, they lost Julio Jones in the offseason. But they rank 17th in total DVOA. They're 21st in offensive DVOA and 14th in defensive DVOA. And they're the Falcons, so they lose in these agonizing ways. They're teams where they're better. I mean, Bill Parcells said you are what your record says you are. Bill is also smart enough to know that's not always the case. I don't, I don't, I think the Falcons were better than their record. And the thing about Julio Jones, and oh my God, Julio Jones is out. Well, Julio Jones is out for half the season last year um, with various injuries which allowed Calvin Ridley to become the most prolific deep receiver in the NFL. And I don't think as Kyle Pitts was an absolute freakazoid monster at Florida. Uh, And you and I've discussed this. He's going to be even better in the NFL because he's not got Kyle Trask throwing in these stupid helium balls. And why again, did the Buccaneers take him in the second round? Um, Now you got Matt Ryan. Now you got Arthur Smith um, doing this stuff with, with Pitts and Hayden Hurst, and we know how good Smith is with uh, with two and three tight end sets. I think one of the things that very few people are talking about with, with the Falcons, and if you look at the Titans last year and how their defense just split the bit, um, Dean Pease is Atlanta's defensive coordinator. That might be worth two or three wins right there. Yeah. Because that guy's a flipping genius. Everywhere he goes, it's multiple, and it's very good. He made Lamar's head explode in that playoff game. That was Dean Pease who did that. So you've got two of the more schematically astute guys running your offense and your defense. Um, I'm not going to pretend that Atlanta has a bunch of, you know, all pros on defense. But you can you can coach that up to a degree. I have them at 21. I don't think they're going to win the division. I don't think they're a playoff team. And it is an interesting discussion, you know, if they just suck this year, if they go two and 15, then, 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 then there's a rebuild. Well, what if they go seven and 10? What if there's enough, you know, what if they win their last five games and everyone goes, Oh, well, they don't have to rebuild when they actually do. Um, Sometimes those late surges can get you in trouble. And that may happen with the Falcons. I just think they're going to be better than people assume they are. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I, I just kind of was, the, the Jones thing really threw me. Well, I, I'm not going to say he isn't what he was because when he's healthy, he's every bit what he was. He's, you know, he's DK Metcalf's dad. He's ridiculous. And, um, but he wasn't there a lot and he hasn't, yeah. you know, it. So for the Falcons to then take Calvin Ridley and make him Deshaun Jackson and have it work was kind of interesting. I just, yeah. and, and then you have the two tight end sets. Hurst is good. Pitts. I mean, if I were to do an over under on offensive rookie of the year right now, I'd probably go with Pitts because of the, the level to which he was an ungodly matchup nightmare. And he had to adjust for a really pardon my French shitty quarterback in contrast. Yeah. Those deep balls were horrific. So it's a whole different deal. He's not coming from like an Alabama elevated offense and, you know, to the, you know, to Adam Gase, it's kind of the, it's kind of the inverse option. So right. see how that goes. So uh, 25, I have the giants. You have the Eagles. There you go. Um, I had the Eagles looking here. Page is stuck. Come on. We're trying to advertise you touchdown. Hmm. Uh, while I wait for the page to roll, tell me about the Eagles. Uh, now, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people say I have, a, I have them at 23rd. I think we're in the same boat. My question is rebuild or retool. And I yeah. think it should be a rebuild. 
Yeah. And it, it will come down to Jalen Hurts. And, yep. you know, I he did some things that were okay last year. He was impressive in that debut. But even in that debut against the Saints, when they simplified things, there were still slow reads, slow decisions, like glacially slow at times. Yeah. Um, like, you know, there was this great example where he hits Goddard on an out route. He had go flat to one side and he had, I think, Mills to the other side where he had the post. It was against a cover six look. The post was open. He looked at it, doesn't throw it. But he sees Goddard in the flat who got open because he shoved the overhand defender and it didn't get a flag. And he stared at it for five seconds and then finally threw it. It's like, that's got to be faster, like all around. And Hertz last year, 11, uh, 3.11 seconds from snap to throw, slowest league wide, like by a decent margin. Um, that has to get faster. Um, so can he get there? I think so. Will Sirianni help? I think absolutely. Um, Hertz was in a bad situation last year. That team, you know, sort of fell to pieces around Carson Wentz. Um, but until I see it, I won't believe it. And then you look at the rest of the roster. I think the offensive line is still solid. The tight ends are still solid, but that's with Zach Ertz there. Maybe he does inevitably get moved, as we've wondered about all offseason. The receivers, you know, Devonta Smith will certainly help. He's a fantastic receiver. Um, but, but he's, he's out still, for what, the whole out. preseason now? Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and then you look at the defensive side of the ball, they're trying to rebuild over there. Like, yeah, it's going to come down to Hertz, but there are some other issues as well. Well, this is my argument for rebuild. Top five salary cap rainmakers on the Eagles' current roster. You got guys on the wrong side of their careers, Zach Ertz and Fletcher Cox, guys who have had issues staying healthy, Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson, and Brandon Graham, who has somehow managed to sidestep both designations. But that's kind of where they are. The interesting thing about Hertz to me is Doug Peterson asked him to perform like really hard shot plays in some very difficult situations, like, you know, third and long going forward on fourth down in red zone and Hertz was able to really do well in those situations. So he intrigues me. Yeah. I'm not saying it's an automatic, you know, Royal flush, let's go, but he could be something. Uh, My 25 is the giants. Um, I think uh, Patrick Graham is going to get himself a head coaching job sooner than later. Um, I also think that Jason Garrett should allow Daniel Jones to throw the deep ball more. Yep. Last season, th- throws with 20 or more air yards. Jones completed 18 to 39 passes for 617 yards, 506 air yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Stop being safe. And I know the, the scattered chart that you had on like the, the safe um, drive sustaining route concepts in your SIS presentation, the Giants were way over here. There was uh, that, no that's got to that- stop. Yeah, there was no team that called more what we termed on-schedule concepts like curl flat and slants and tosser than the Giants. They were yeah. the most like conservative offense in our study. Uh, 24, you have the Broncos. I have the Broncos at 17. I'm very optimistic about their defense. Mike Munchak has turned Garrett Bowles into like a thing. Um, this, obviously, we all know what the question is. Yeah, I mean, this roster – 21 of the 22 spots, I think, are very good to great. That's a top three defense. And I want to say this. Everyone, okay, Brandon Staley is the new face of the NFL's new defense. 90% of the stuff he does in the NFL right now, he learned from Vic Fangio. Yeah. Let's Let's not, you know, put Vic out to pasture. Vic is leading the charge schematically for a lot of what happened. Now, should they have taken Justin Fields instead of Patrick Sertan is great because I think Sertan is plug and play. Yeah. Um, This season is going to be a referendum and George Patton, this is his first year as GM. 
a lot of people will be looking back at the end of this season going, you guys should have taken fields. And some people could lose their gigs over that. So that'll be interesting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and I'm just going to say, we're recording this on Thursday. There were reports yesterday on Wednesday that get it run with the ones, Mr. Brett Rippin. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say. <laughs> okay. So the here comes the meerkat gift from Mark. Yeah. I mean, if you have a top like five roster, a top three defense, and you just need somebody that's not going to really mess it up. And you want to know what insufferable looks like? Insufferable looks like me if Rhett Whippen wins that job. I'm just, I'm just going to say. I have to put it out there. When was the last team that won the Super Bowl with an average quarterback and a great defense? Buccaneers, Brad Johnson? 2015 Broncos. Before that, you have to go back to the 2002 Buccaneers. Before yeah. that, you have to go back to the 2000 Ravens. That's three teams in 21 years. Not a great I mean, rate. It's not a good hit rate. You're um, asking you're asking an impossible amount from your run game and your offensive line and especially your defense. I want to believe it's, it's not a good paradigm to have. I just want to believe it's just not. I mean, hey, you know, we'll see what happens. Twenty four. I have the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff. I'm starting to get a Chip Kelly hit from you, uh, yeah. Cliff. You disappoint me. Last season, you came into the NFL and you tried to run the Texas Tech passing game for half a season, and then you got diverse and your offense went through the roof and it was all great. And then you come back and you're doing the same crap you did before. 20% of their snaps <laughs> last year, 20 personnel. Bills were second with 15. I don't think anyone else had 10%. Um, so he's gone back to, you know, the Cartman thing. Screw you guys. I'm doing him. Um that's kind of who he is now. He's I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to take DeAndre Hopkins and put him on the backside. ISO, and I'm not going to move him 90, 97% of the time. And, you know, shoot your shot, dude. We have gone from Kyler Murray looking like a potential MVP candidate in 2022 Kyler Murray kind of falling off the face of the earth. Um, I think close in trouble. I think and so too. It, I think, been- I think the NFL has figured him out. And when the NFL figures you out, it, that was that was Chip's thing, you know. I'm going to come in and I'm going to do blah 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 and revolutionize whatever. He's another example. I mean, Belichick got all of his speed no huddle stuff from Kelly, but it's not like he hired Kelly. He knew better right. than that. He knew what Chip Kelly was and what he wasn't. Um, maybe Cliff can. Maybe Cliff is just that guy. Maybe he needs to go. You know, coach. Back in I don't know, but yeah. this is a problem. And their defense, it, they have like the cornerback situation is horrid. Buda Baker's great. He doesn't cover. He's like Jamal yeah. Adams. Yeah. Um, you have an offense that cannot create explosive plays. You have a defense that cannot stop explosive plays. You are screwed. Yeah. And what was interesting when we did, you know, rankings a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't have Murray in my top 15. I got a lot of pushback on that. I've had, you know, people reach out to me like, what is it? I'm just not convinced that right now Murray is in a good position to be a top 15 quarterback, partly because of the issues we just, you just highlighted with cliff. I mean, no. the offense was static when it doesn't need to be that offense should be dynamic. It's not. And that concerns me. Can Kyler like still make splash plays like the spin and throw to 
you know, Dan Arnold that he had against the Patriots where I literally had a notepad and threw it across the room because I was just like, how do you stop this? Yeah. Well, Hale Murray, for God's sake, that was the yeah. most incredible play last season. But, but it's like I said before, if you cannot consist with, with Darnold, if yeah. you cannot consistently create the plays you need to create, I don't care how good you are in, you know, one out of every 10 plays, who gives a crap? Yeah. So, I mean, Maybe Murray and Kyler, I mean, Murray and Cliff and DeAndre Hopkins, and they all sort of put it together this year, but I'm not convinced it's going to happen. Maybe he did learn, Cliff did last year, because I know you and I talked about, Stephen Reese wrote about it, like the static with nature with Hopkins. It did seem like they moved him around a little bit more down the stretch last season. You have to do that. Need to see more of that. Maybe we'll see. I just don't understand why coaches at this level need to be prodded into being schematically diverse. What the hell is your job? I don't know. It really it just kind of pisses me off. Yeah. Anyway, rant over 23. Uh, you have the Giants. I have the Eagles. We've already kind of gone there. Uh, 22, I have the Raiders. I probably should have put them at 27 like you did. 22, you have the Panthers. We've discussed them. 21, you have the Cowboys which is a lot lower than I have. <laughs> so are you thinking that Dan Quinn cannot solve this? Are you thinking that Dak is not healthy? I mean, I, I can see what you wrote, but kind of tell us what your thoughts are on the Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a believer in Dak, obviously. I mean, he's, I think he was my QB six. Like I still think he's before he was hurt. He led the NFL in attempts, completions, passing yards. And he was like fourth in touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that was game script because they get, you know, they were down in a number of games. They had to like throw to get back into games. But I, I think that you're seeing anticipation and route recognition and all sorts of good stuff for, from Dak. It's the defense more than anything. Like, you know, I love our lads. We love our lads. And their depth charts are an invaluable resource. You go to their depth chart on our lads and you see on the defensive side of the ball a sea of green which are rookies. You know, mm -hmm. they basically went all in on, we have to rebuild this defense. It's not just Micah Parsons in the first round, who I think was a good pick for what they needed. But you're also seeing Jabril Cox later in the draft. You're seeing Kelvin Joseph in the second round, Israel Mokamu in the sixth round, Nashawn Wright in the third round, Osa Odengizawa in the third round, Quinta Bohana in the sixth. Like, they spent most of their draft capital on the defense because it was bad. Um, can Dan Quinn turn it around? Perhaps, but I also think in terms of figuring people out, teams have sort of figured out Quinn's like cover three, single high, like the yeah. stuff that he does. Like mm -hmm. teams have sort of figured out how to attack that. Like now Quinn has showed a bit more versatility over his past couple of years in Atlanta. Yeah, he's not like Gus where he's going to run 75% single half. Yeah. He's not He's not that extreme. Um, but, and I think he's, he's a student enough to know that the NFL has figured out single high to a degree. Um, yeah. Certainly. I mean, the, the Devontae Adams splits 14 touchdowns, a single against single high one against double. I was like, okay, there we go. Yeah, there it is. Uh, number 20, you have the Patriots. I have the Steelers, uh, your thoughts on the Pats. And yeah, I, I mean, you know how, you know where I am with Mac Jones, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the same conversation we had about Denver, you can apply here. Yep. You know, you talk to people in New England and they will tell you 21 to 22 positions they feel great about. 
You know, they feel great about the offensive line. They love the tight ends. They kind of like the receivers that they've got. They think Aguilar is going to be good. They love Jacoby Myers, you know, Bourne and some of the other guys. Even Nikhil Harry has been a little bit better in camp, which I think is a nice little surprise. Defensively, they get Hightower back. You bring Van Noy back. They like Uche. Christian Barmore, he's dinged up right now, but he's been fantastic in camp. 21 or 22 positions they like. That 22nd is quarterback. And as we talked about with Denver, like – if, if you can't get stability and consistent execution at quarterback, you are going to struggle in this league. Mac, Mac Jones has been up and down in camp. Cam has been, dare we say, better than last year, but it's hard to get worse. Well, he we have to treat him as a rookie. He had no preseason because of COVID, and then he got COVID yeah. in season. Yeah. He's essentially a rookie in this system. Yeah. And, and we have to kind of yeah, treat him as such. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not closing the door on Cam having a much improved, you know, 2021 season and looking maybe like the guy we saw in, say, you know, 20, I think 17, the year that they got to the playoffs and he looked pretty good, kind of willed them and there. Be- I was your Belichick called him public. I mean, number one, I'll tell you yeah. one thing. Uh, what is less flavorful than vanilla? Because that was their run, that was their QB run game. I would expect more from that. I would expect a just lot just because more from McDaniel's that. and Newton can work on some things. Yeah, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic we're going to get a better Cam, and if so, this could be a playoff team. If not, we're going to see Mac Jones at some point. Oof. Uh, I have the Steelers at twenty. Um, Roethlisberger, I don't know. Matt Canada's coming in. He's going to do pre-step motion. He's probably not going to do play action because Ben apparently doesn't like it. Uh, Again, you go back to the ability to create explosive plays and to stop them. Um, now, the Steelers have had some attrition in their secondary. They lost Bud Dupree. They I mean, I, I am all in on Melvin Ingram. I love that signing. But if they regress from, say, first in defensive DVOA to, I don't know, six or seven, you know, they got blown out by the Browns in one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. Yeah. How do they make that up? I don't think they're going to make it up on offense. I don't think Najee Harris is that guy. I think he'll be good. I think he'll be like Steven Jackson good. But that's not a team that's going to be able to define itself with its run game. And I don't know what the hell is going on with the offensive line. So when I say I don't believe that regression is automatic. I don't like go with the plexiglass principle. And like if you were the best at something last year, it automatically means you're not going to be as good this year. I don't do right. that. But with the Steelers – you got to worry. And that offense, I mean, they started 11 and 0. Uh, that was because their defense is just playing that, like from front to back out of their minds. I don't know where they get the explosive plays from. And if they start to have leaks in stopping them, then you're kind of looking at Cleveland and Baltimore lapping you. Yeah. And, I mean, I, th- I think there you are. You know, during that 11 and 0 run to start the season, there was a lot of, and and I mentioned time to throw earlier with Jalen Hurts. The fastest quarterback was Roethlisberger, and I think part of that was schematic. A big part of it. Well, was you and I were doing our – we started doing these uh, the preview podcast midseason, and even when they were winning all their games, we were like, should, like asking every week, should we be worried about Roethlisberger yet? And yeah. finally we were. But that was absolutely a thing that was – even when they were winning. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, 19 – you have the Bears, who we've discussed. I have the Colts. Now, you have the Colts higher, but you uh, wrote your power ranks, rankings before injury palooza. Um, yeah. My opinion, the Quentin Nelson injury is 10 times worse for the Colts than the Wentz injury because, honestly, we don't know what the hell version of Wentz is going to be out there. Yeah. Um, 
Wentz could be like Goff, but worse. Wentz could yep. be kind of out of the league in a couple of years. Um, you know, so they have no they have no quarterbacks who have ever taken an NFL snap. They really get foals, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is a really well-built team without a credible quarterback. And as much advancement as they made in the run game last year, the guy driving that is now hurt. Um, I don't think this ends well. Oh, by the way, here's the first five games. Their Seahawks, first five Rams. games are Seahawks, brutal. Rams, at Titans, at Dolphins, at Ravens. That's four playoff teams and one team in the Dolphins, who I think you and I both think very easily could be a playoff team this year. Um, you could be looking at 0 and 5 or 1 and 4. You're not going to come back from that with Carson Wentz as your quarterback. I'm and, sorry. And That's not going to happen. What's even worse is that after that first five, you get the Texans, so yeah, you're probably going to win that game. But then you get the 49ers, and then you get the Titans again. Their season series with Tennessee is early, yeah. And so you could be looking at like a five game deficit. So even if you get those guys back, division might be done by that. Yep. Nice segue. 18 for me is the Titans. Um, Julio Jones and AJ Brown. Good luck covering that. Derrick Henry has more yards after contact over the last two seasons, and your running back has total rushing yards. Uh, it's a really easy division, but man, that defense. Yeah. They allowed 36 passing touchdowns. Only the lions allowed more. Now you got Byard and hooker, good safeties. Um, you know, I, I just don't know what that defense. Okay. So they win the AFC South. So what? That's like, you know, winning a battle of the bands, uh, in it, you know, <laughs> okay. Now you won like your school spelling me. Now you go to County and everyone wants to kick your ass. What do you do that? Yeah. I mean, do the, are the Titans able to, I mean, Vrabel's never had a losing record and maybe yeah. they go, you know, 11 and six or whatever. And they're sort of in the hunt and they get blown out and the defense is still bad. And okay. Where are we now? Yeah, I mean, they almost seem like a team that could be stuck in sort of purgatory where it's like you're going to win the division because you look around the AFC South right now. But can you see this offense going, this defense going into Arrowhead and stopping the Chiefs? Oh, God. Or heck, going to First Energy Stadium and stopping the Browns. I mean, no. Well, we'll talk about the Browns a little later. Uh, so 18 for you. Minnesota Vikings. I had them a little higher, but good Lord, as I pointed out, Mike Zimmer is like one of the more no bullshit coaches in the NFL. <laughs> and his team right now is nothing but bullshit. The, the COVID stuff, I just, <clears throat> and then they released Gladney after the indictment. I just, I, I don't know what to think here. I probably should have ranked them lower. I think 18 is fair. Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, there, there are good things about this team. Um, but they're kind of also a mess right now, given the sort of COVID situation. They're running out there with Case Cookus and Jake Brown and as their quarterbacks until, you know, Mond and Cousins get out of COVID protocol. Well, they Cousins know. was – he was released from uh, COVID protocol this morning. But, right. of course, you know, the way he is, he'll probably get it – you know, be a close contact again because the Vikings have the lowest vaccination rate. And apparently – they're going to be the team that has to forfeit a freaking game to figure it out. Oh, maybe this is bad. Maybe I should get yeah. a shot. Mm. Uh, Vault. I had the Broncos at 17. I am very high on everything but quarterback. I don't, I don't get it with Locke. Never have. Uh, yeah. You have the Colts at 17. Let's see. You at 16, Dr. Schofield, have the 49ers. Um, is your 16 with the Niners based on Garoppolo or Lance? 
It's and how much of it the- has to do with a belief that the injury luck, because they led the league by like 30 games and adjusted games lost. How much of a bump do you think they're going to get from that? Yeah, I mean, it's based more on Garoppolo starting the season as the, their starting quarterback, but I think that ship might have sailed. I mean, I think you're kind of looking like it. Yeah, I mean, you you brought up the sort of Russell Wilson, Matt Flynn situation. and I'll tell we, the story real quick. Um, well, I was standing next to Liz Matthews at Russell Wilson's first uh, rookie minicamp practice. And he hit a backdoor fade over a rookie cornerback to a rookie receiver. I don't remember who it was. And I turned to Liz and I said, I don't care how much we're playing Matt Flynn. That's the quarterback. And a lot of the veterans in San Francisco are saying, we were really impressed by Trey Lance. Holy crap, this QB run game. Holy crap, he makes these throws. Well, you went into that locker room in the preseason in 2012. Nobody was talking about Matt Flynn. It was like, who the hell is this Russell Wilson guy? We're really impressed. Um, it gets to the point where you're not worried about demoting the veteran because the locker room likes him. You're worried about open revolt because the, the kid is obviously better in yeah. every possible way. And athletically, Garoppolo is in Lance's area code. And as you pointed out in a, a very astute article, a lot of what North Dakota State ran um, last year was Kyle Shanahan concepts, fallback, wham, whatever, you know, QB or tight end throw. It's not an impossibility for Lance to come out and look credible early in the season. Yeah. And, and so I, I do think he will open up sections of that playbook with Kyle Shanahan that were closed when you had Matt Ryan, when you had Kirk Cousins, when you had Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. And, you know, I think of all the boot action, the concepts that they run off Ugh. of that. Imagine being that curl flat defender when you've got a route over the top of you potentially, or at least in front of you and Trey Lance rolling in your direction. Like you have to worry about what he's going to do. And now you've got people. Yeah. Now you got people saying, well, they'll start Garoppolo and have Trey Lance in a package like Taysom Hill. Can you name one time in the history of the damn NFL where your backup quarterback had a a situational four play package and it ever worked? Nope. No, you can't because it never has worked. It's always stupid. Don't take your best quarterback off the field to put the other guy in there. Yeah. Or vice versa. Oh, speaking of at number 16, I have the saints. Oh, Uh, I want it to work for Jameis Winston. I really do. Um, I think he's taking it seriously. I think he's doing everything he can. We, you know, maybe the LASIK will work. Um, I also, if, if Taysom Hill comes in and is like, just league average. If he throws 15 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, the fact that he throws 15 touchdowns, I will never be able to listen to an NFL broadcast ever again because every one of those announcers is going to name their kids Taysom, boy yeah. or girl. The the amount of love this guy gets from broadcasters and uh, was, somebody was saying on the NFL Network yesterday, well, what you need is a guy like Taysom Hill who can do everything. Like everything what? To what end? Like to what level? To what degree of effectiveness? Um, anyway, uh, so <laughs> from 2014 through 2016, Drew Brees had more passing attempts, completions, and passing yards than any other NFL quarterback, and only Aaron Rodgers had more passing touchdowns. Saints wasted all that productivity with horrible defenses. Finished seven to nine in all three seasons. 
Welcome to the inverse, Sean Payton, because that's where you are now. You got a top three defense and you have what at quarterback? We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. 16 for you. Okay. Yeah. 49ers. So 15 for me, Minnesota Vikings. We've talked about that mess. You have the Chargers at 15. I had them top 10. I'm interested in, in your thoughts about that. It's it's mostly can Justin Herbert do it again? Now I think he can, um, but we have seen, you know, the the proverbial the old saw. You know, that's not going to have film on him. I you know I certainly think he's an immensely talented quarterback. He's one of my top fifteen already, so I am a believer. But then you look around the AFC West and you get Kansas City twice. Denver's got a good roster. They got to figure out quarterback. Who knows? We They're going to have a top three defense. If everyone yeah. stays healthy. Denver's going to have a top three defense. And you know. Can I think Staley has the pieces to sort of replicate the defense he had with the Rams? Obviously, you know, Bosa. If Derwin James is healthy, I think he's, you know, a d- dynamic safety in this ski in this league. But can you sort of build that same kind of defense? Maybe, maybe. Asante Samuel Jr. is going to be a nice fit. I think he's going to be a fit, like we've talked about. Chris Harris, also a nice piece Love there. It. Um, well, they're going from really heavy single high to really heavy two high. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of adaptation there. I don't care how good Brandon Staley is. I don't care how good their players are. Now, getting Samuel helps. Obviously, having Derwin James is the um, – it's, what, the four lock where you're playing quarters, but you're just putting your uh, your star on one guy or one yeah. part of the field. I mean, I think – Derwin James can't maybe do that to Jalen Ramsey's level. Maybe he can. We'll see. I mean, we've seen clips of him running with Keenan Allen, and anytime you can match a Keenan Allen route, you're doing something pretty good. Yes, um, indeed. So that potential is there. It's just not all in yet. And maybe this is just the battle scars of years past going all in on the Chargers in the preseason and then injuries or whatever happens and they fall to pieces. Well, it's fascinating about the Chargers. They had in, um, I think it was, what, 99 they had Ryan Leaf, and then 2000 they had Zombie Doug Flutie. And then in 2001, they had Drew Brees, went right to Phillip Rivers, went right to Justin Herbert. They had like 20 years. I'm not, not, not counting Herbert, but they had 20 years of like Hall of Famers. Yeah. And, and they won very little. I'll, I'll blame A.J. Smith for a lot of that. Um, he went all Joe Thomas and, you know, did whatever. But, yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a bit higher on the Chargers. And I think Fields will be – or. Um, Oh, my head is full of just stuff. Herbert, excuse me. I think Herbert will be just fine. Um, let's see. So 14, you've got the Saints. 14, I have the Washington football team. This could be the best defense in the NFL. I have yeah. no idea what to expect from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not a clue. But if he if he dispenses with the YOLO crap, this is a team, we were talking about like how many teams get to a Super Bowl with, the game manager quarterback and the like historically great defense. I'm not saying this will happen, but if there was one sort of surprise upending team in the NFC who could actually pull that off. And remember they played the Buccaneers hellaciously close in that playoff game last year. That could have gone either way. Um, I think, and the Washington football team has actually upped their vaccination rate after their coach expressed concern. So kudos for, Getting above the fray there. Um, I think this 
I don't know if it's an easy division winner depending on Dallas, but this team is going to be a problem on defense, like a yeah. big, oh, yeah. big, big problem. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I graded the William Jackson signing higher than any free agency signing this year. It's just, it's ridiculous. They got him for what they got him. For. It's the marriage of pass rush with the front that they've built, which mm. was their strength last year. Still four, still four first rounders after Ryan Kerrigan went to the Eagles. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But now you've got Jackson at one corner spot. You've got Fuller at the other. You've got St. Juice who they drafted. I like the safety tandem of Carl and Collins. Like yeah. they were pretty good last year. Collins so can be got- a box guy and then box enforcer and Curl can run deep. And Curl came out of nowhere and just yeah. balled out. So, it was great. This, this could be a good team. Yeah, I think so. Uh, let's see. You had the Cardinals at 13. Uh, I had the 49ers at 13. Um, and I think, I think Lance will get, well, it sooner than later. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, 12, you have the Steelers. So are you betting on more explosive plays on the offense? Or are you thinking that there won't be defensive regression despite the sort of attrition in the secondary? And it's more the bet on the regression because I have concerns about this offense. I have concerns about Ben. Um, I have concerns about the offensive line. I think the defense, though, will help them in some situations. They won't sort of collapse. And so- I'm not saying they're going to suck. I'm just saying they're going to go from maybe first to fifth, sixth, seventh. Yeah, third. and that might be enough to keep them out of the playoffs. It might. And when you can't create explosive plays and you have any sort of defensive regression, well, okay, are, where's it going to come from? Your punts? Yeah. You got to make it up somewhere. Yeah. Okay, so that was my 12 or your 12. My 12 is Miami Dolphins. Obviously, Tua is the thing here. And, you know, we – Blew it up against the uh, the Chargers and the Cardinals and then had to be benched against Vic Fangio's defense. Um, here's what I wrote about Tua. He has the tools to be an above-average timing rhythm passer. Not going to blow your doors off with the deep ball. This defense and run game, Dolphins don't need him to. But this offense is built for a point guard distributor. At his best, that's exactly what Tua is. Um, I can't wait to see Jalen Waddle just blow it. <laughs> He's so ridiculous. Uh, they got another problem. Xavier Howard is capital, not capital happy. And he is, I, if I remember correctly, he was the only guy who made our top 11 outside cornerbacks and top 11 slot cornerbacks list. This guy is a top three cornerback, no matter what. Um, and they depend a lot on cover zero blitz. You know, they want those ISO Island guys. We'll see. Um, I think Flores is doing a great job. I think he has officially ex- escaped the Belichick assistant curse, which yep. good for him. But yeah, there, there's uh, you know mysteries abound, as they say. I had the Patriots at eleven. I'm I still can't believe the stat last year. The Patriots lined up with two tight ends just eight times on passing plays. Yeah, they just <laughs> they're they gonna they're gonna outpace that in the first drive. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Their first twenty plays might be twelve personnel. Yep. Exactly. Uh, you have the Rams at 11. I had the Rams at 10. So let's talk about the Rams. Um, per Peter King, Aaron Donald recently went over and hugged Matthew Stafford mid-practice. <laughs> I really don't want to just bag on Jared Goff all day, but man, um, 
I'm a little concerned about it's kind of like with the Chargers going from you know heavy single because Raheem Morris really isn't a quarters guy, right? It's not his history. Um, he went from sort of a Tampa two dungy acolyte to you know pretty aggressive man. Um, and the Rams still have a lot of great. They have the best, maybe the best player in the NFL, certainly the best defensive player. Uh, they got Ramsey. Darius Williams is extremely underrated, but they lost Johnson. They're their green dot guy on on defense. They lost Troy Hill, both of the Browns. We'll be talking about in a second. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is the year that Sean McVay's offense is revealed to be everything it was supposed to be, and it doesn't matter. But I mean, I just think a little bit up- of a little bit of an issue on defense there. Yeah, I mean, they do have an issue on defense. I just think the upgrade from Goff to Stafford is we going really to- it's going to be so much more than some people think. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that there is a quarterback now that will play with no fear. And we all know what offense, what happens to offenses when defenses can take away what you want to do. And that's what teams figured out with the Rams with golf. Now the vertical shot stuff, that's all the underneath stuff, the eye candy, the crossers and all that stuff that McVay likes to call. There's always a vertical shot play over the top of them. And golf would nine times out of 10, not even look at it. Now you've got a guy that wants to throw that on every play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my 10 was the Rams. Your 10 was the Seahawks. Um, I, Shane Waldron is playing it very close to the best. What will this offense look like? I can tell you that what this defense looks like is a league average defense at best. And again, if your defense is that way and you're not interested in creating explosive plays in the passing game consistently, you are not going to get very far. And I have talked to a few people in the league. A couple of people have reached out to me just because I'm in Seattle and asked me, you know, watching Russell Wilson in the second half of the season, like he was playing like garbage. What the hell's going on? It was a toxic situation in every possible way. Um, He's very excited about Waldron. I think, you know, pre-snap motion, tempo, the way Sean McVay uses 12 personnel, 11 personnel with those tight splits. I mean, and it opens up rushing lanes, which should make Pete Carroll happy. Um, but this team will only go so far as far as Russell Wilson takes it because the pass rushes, we'll see. Um, Quandry Diggs is great. Not sure at all about the corners. And, you know, you're going to have to pay Jamal Adams 19 million a year because you gave up like Wenatchee for him. Could be interesting. Yeah. But if, if there's – a quarterback that could deliver. It's one of the guys that's a top five, six quarterback in the game, which he invariably is. I just, I, I think it all fell apart um, yeah. late as things often do. It's one of those, you know, no good decisions are made at two in the morning. Uh, let's see. Number nine. I have the Cowboys. I am a firm believer that the coaching job Mike Dolan did is, was so bad. And I know Dan Quinn a little from his time in Seattle. I have a great deal of respect for him. You will see a lot of interesting front stuff because Dan's really good at that. Um, I think Trevon Diggs could be a total breakout guy with Quinn. Um, That's what I have. You have the Dolphins at nine. So you're higher on them than I am. Yeah. And what's been funny is watching Dolphins – media dolphins twitter start to see the new tua the real tua i i think it was interesting that sis data challenge 
the Dolphins were one of the more sort of conservative offensive play calling teams we had. And it's because you're trying to figure it out with Tua. Eric Rowe this week came out and said, we didn't let him throw deep. Now you're seeing healthy Tua, his first, you know, real sort of non-COVID training camp. You do have to remember the hip injury. Yeah. The Xavier Howard situation has really unfolded since I wrote about them. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's a concern to be and sure. Trust me, it's bad. Yeah. It's really bad. It's worse than you think. Yeah. But that. the Tua stuff has me hopeful for Miami. Yeah. Uh, eight, you have Washington foosball team. Yep. Eight, I have the Seahawks. Um, seven, I have the Chargers. I'm, I'm really high on, on this team. Uh, I don't think they're ready to challenge the Chiefs yet, but re- the rearview mirror, the object is closer to, than it appears with the Chargers. Yeah. I think so. Uh, you have the Packers at seven. I have the Packers at five. Is this is really? The, I mean, I'm not worried about the offense. I'm not worried about Rodgers. I think Rodgers will play. He might be even better because Aaron Rodgers lives on spite. In a, in a way that very few people do. I think, Great you know, ones tend to. It's it's whether the defense gets in the way. I don't know yeah. what Joe Barry's going to do. I know they ran a crap ton of dime last year. They're 50% dime, far more than any other team. Um, Joe Barry's record is not great. Uh, we'll see how that goes. They have a you know top five safety in Savage. They have a top three safety in Jair Alexander. I would expect Zadarius Smith to make a big comeback from what was kind of an injury plague year. Um, as we said before, you double Kenny Clark because you have to use single everyone else. Um, you know, I think the defense is the only thing that stops this team from going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but but it's a thing. I mean, you mentioned it, our tagline about this team last year: double Kenny Clark, and you're fine everywhere else. Did they help Kenny Clark? Did they get him a run in me? Well, Not really. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, question answers itself. Now, you, Doctor Schofield, wow, Tennessee Titans at six. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You are. You are Mister Julio Jones. Yeah, I am. I just look at what he can still bring to the table. I think it's such a perfect fit conceptually for what they want to do off of play action, Yankee and Yankee variants. In the data challenge last night, what are the other? Joe Andrews, one of the other participants, talked about basically Yankee posting over. It was the best. He found it was the best concept in the NFL. AJ Brown on the over, Julio on the post. AJ Brown day. on the post, Julio on the blaze out. Like it all comes all together day. perfectly. Good offensive line, fantastic running back in Derrick Henry. Like I'm all in on what this offense is going to look like. The question, as we talked about with them, is the defense. I'm I talked myself into it, but I can see where it sort of falls to pieces. I don't think they've done enough. Um, I just don't. Uh, I, I I think they have. You know, well they got Dupree. They got uh, you know they, they've expanded the pass rush a little bit, but yeah. I, it's it's just the whole thing and i i think the reason i'm low on tennessee and the reason i'm high on atlanta can be summed up in two words dean Pease. yeah yeah that um, makes sense this guy just makes things better wherever he goes so number six you have the titans i have the browns who you have at five 
Here's an interesting exercise if you're listening at home or in your car or working out at the gym or anywhere else. Go to Our Labs or Roto World or wherever, NBC Edge or whatever they're calling it. Look at the Cleveland Browns roster and tell me where the hole is. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, your answer? There is no hole. The, the main problem they had last year was, and it was, you know, Grant Delpit, their first run pick, got hurt. They had four box guys trying to play deep safety. They don't have that problem anymore because Delpit's coming back. He's a multi-position guy. They got uh, Ousukuramara. He's a multi-position guy. Kind of shores up their linebacker stuff, which was a problem. Um, John Johnson, the aforementioned Brandon Steely Green Dot guy. You know, uh, Denzel Ward's top five corner. The offense, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're the best team in the AFC, but I find it, it it's it's like they're the not it's almost like they're the not worst team in the AFC, if that makes sense. They have the fewest potential issues based I, on roster construction. I just love what they've put together. Right. I, I love how they looked at I love the NFL offseason because of the free agency period, the draft period. Teams have to make decisions, and those decisions are the best window you ever get into how they feel about their roster. What did Cleveland do? They go out and they get John Johnson at safety. They go out and they get Troy Hill for cornerback. Which they, they draft, were garbage in the slot, and Hill solves that right away. They draft a corner. They draft the sort of versatile positionless defender in JOK. They basically said, we couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes in the divisional round. We need to stop Patrick Mahomes in the divisional round next year. And this mm-hmm. is how we're going to do it. And we haven't even mentioned Jadavion Clowney. Like, I know he's not what he once was, but to put him opposite Miles Garrett, mm-hmm. like, yeah. if you're an offensive coordinator, it's like, we're sliding protection, we're chipping Miles, we're doing all that stuff. That's just going to leave Jadavion with one-on-one situations on the other side. Here's what, here's what Clowney generally does. He is proto-Lawrence Taylor for a game or two. Yep. I'll never forget when he was in Seattle. They had one game against the Niners where I, I rarely have seen a defensive player take over a game like that. And then 14 games, he's on a milk carton. Good against the run, very little in the pass rush. And that's whether he's an end or a spinner. So we'll see. But, I mean, you're right. This, this is a – I think it's very – I mean, he didn't, he didn't bust out when people were trying to deal with J.J. Watt either. So right. I don't know. Right. But it is very easy to talk yourself into the Cleveland Browns, and there are good reasons to do it. As I put it, this is the first Browns team that has the capacity to challenge for multiple championships since White Snake was relevant. Yeah. Because like believe it or not, too. kids, White Snake was once relevant. They were. It was that bad. Uh, okay. So, number four, both of us, Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, as I wrote for the team that hasn't had a losing season since 2015, Ravens sure have a lot of people talking about their one glaring issue. But when your one glaring issue is the quarterback, that's going to happen. Um, they get Rashad Bateman, who is their best contested catch receiver since Anquan Bolden. Not a coincidence that Bolden was what a big part of their last Super Bowl team. They get Sammy Watkins, who, as long as you're not, as long as he's not your primary focus, can make some plays and get some yards. Um, you know, whether you think it's a Greg Roman problem or a Lamar Jackson problem, I tend to go about 70% Lamar, about 30% Roman. Um, we went. You know, we said unanimous MVP after the 2019 season. Spent a lot of last year going, whose fault is it? And I don't know if they, I, I don't know where that stands. Yeah. I mean, Ben Solak now with the Rainer. Congrats, Ben. He had a little Twitter Yay, thread. Ben. 
He had a little Twitter thread last night on Greg Roman. And he was just like, Greg Roman makes my head hurt. Um, because there were some concepts last year where it's like, I don't know what they're doing. Now, their run game stuff is incredible. Their quarterback. Well, I would counter that. I wrote about this. I wrote an extensive tape piece back when you could have tape, NFL game pass. Um, Roman also opened up a lot of things for Lamar that Lamar didn't see or didn't yeah. execute well. So, and it's odd, you know, you like the quarterback, the quarterback has all these gifts and he can be special. So you want to blame the offensive coordinator because he's not Bill Walsh. Yeah. Greg Roman has been doing this kind of stuff with Colin Kaepernick and Tyrod Taylor and now Lamar Jackson. Greg Roman is what Greg Roman is. You don't get him and expect him to be Bruce Arians. That that's not who Greg Roman is. Never has right. been. So if you have a guy who, you know, works the QB run concepts in with the rest of the integrated run game, have the best rushing attack in the NFL. And he is putting more expansive passing concepts out there than people think. And your quarterback isn't seeing or executing them. Well, then whose fault is it? Or whose responsibility? The point is not right. to, to, you know, stick fall. It's to assess responsibility. And then how do you solve it? Right. No, I think that's a very good point. Uh, defense, no problem. Run game, no problem. This, this season is a referendum on Lamar. And Oh, by the way, uh, the Ravens are in a position to have to pay Lamar $70 billion. So that's yep. fine. Yeah. Uh, number three for both of us, Buffalo bills. I was asked, uh, well, Aaron and Mike and I on the podcast last week, we all did our Super Bowl picks. I have the bills beating the Packers. Really? Yep. I, I think this is just a team with a lot of edges. You know, they're, they're, as I wrote, they're kind of boring because that's out of Cole Beasley's bull crap. It's like everything's there. Yeah. Yeah. The run game, you know, a few little things on the offensive line. Um, the Rousseau pick, uh, the, the first round pass rusher, really interesting sort of one technique, one shade, head over center guy. And then Carlos Basham. I, that he reminds me a little bit of Carlos Loss or um, Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson. That guy plays with an edge. Uh, yeah. Ferocious knife edge. So they're, you know, they get the pass rush together. Linebackers fine. Secondary great. I think getting dabble for another year. I don't think they'll have them next year. No, um, absolutely not. And I don't, you know, we were talking about like, okay, so Josh Allen made this insane third year jump. Obviously, he's going to regress because that's what people do. I don't think so. No, no I don't think I don't, so. I don't. You know, Isaiah McKenzie is a great slot receiver. They got Emmanuel Sanders. So, you know, if if Captain America Freedom Boy uh, gets himself in trouble, they've got other guys who can handle that. And they ran, I believe, more four receiver sets than any Wilson League, not named Cliff Kingsbury. And they've got the guys to do that. Uh, tight end, they don't really have one, but apparently they don't really need one. They or had, they end up trading for Ertz like everybody expects. Yeah, I mean, they had 38 snaps with two tight ends. Yeah. Only the Patriots had fewer. So, and they're not looking to change that paradigm. I think the Bills are as good as any team in the NFL. Yeah. And, uh, you know, best best Bills team since the Marv Levy teams. And what's the one thing you can do that maybe Marv didn't? As Jake Taylor said, win the whole bleeping thing. I think yeah. they could. Yeah. Number two, we're not quite shock. Uh, I have the Buccaneers. You have the Chiefs. Yeah. What about the Chiefs? Or is it more that the Buccaneers 
are so set to run it back or there's still things about the Chiefs that you're wondering about? It's more that the Buccaneers are set to run it back. And I'm a firm believer. We know when we love Matt Walden, we think the world of him. Yes. And back in like late May, when Matt was sending me messages about how Brady's going to be even better next year, I started to pay attention. And I, I'm a firm believer now in that idea because now we're hearing Brady. We played last year with a torn MCO. Mm-hmm. He told us that he didn't, he was struggling calling plays deep into the season. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about that loss to the chiefs and their bye week and everything that me and everybody else, you, we all wrote about this team. Brady was struggling to figure out the Arians offense that's removed. Brady's healthy. They're bringing everybody back. They, you know, the, the Kyle Trask pick, it's because they had the luxury to just, hey, we'll just take a quarterback, whatever. We don't have a ton of needs. I think the Buccaneers are going to be great this year. Well, it was interesting. Um, and I wrote about this recently. It's after the football accident. It was only when it came out, and I, I had some – everyone go out and buy that kids because it's awesome. From weeks 1 to 12, uh, the Buccaneers play action on 18.5% of their plays, 31st in the league. Despite the fact that their yards per play with play action, but well, I'll summarize this because it's like three paragraphs. Right. Uh, late in the season, much more play action, much more pre-snap motion, which Brady always feasted on in New England. And Arians went from, I'm not going to do that because I didn't do it with Peyton Manning, sounding like a grumpy old guy telling you to get the hell off his lawn, to I am now enlightened. Here we go. Brady's going to be better for a number of reasons. One of them is... He starts the season with that sort of diversity. That's yep. it. Not, not motion to inform. He's Tom Brady. He doesn't need motion to inform. It's motion to create matchup disadvantages for a defense. Yeah. And the other thing that they add do- that to everything else. And congratulations to Todd Bowles for getting a three-year extension. Totally deserved. That defense is also insane. We talk about the ability to, to create explosive plays and to stop them. Um, I would say that there are very few teams better at either one than the Buccaneers down the stretch. And to be able to, to have both at that level, I mean, they just peaked. And if they come in at that thousand mile an hour pace, I mean, yeah, watch the hell out. Yeah. Now, I mean, for the Chiefs, though, we talked about the Browns and how they clearly had as an organization a need to address the Chiefs. They looked at the Super Bowl and said, we got to protect 15. We well, got to protect 15. It's not just that. Um, and you and I have discussed this and I wrote about it last week. I think you're looking at a very different offense this year because what do they well, do? That too. They, they trade for Orlando Brown Jr. from Baltimore. What is Baltimore? The most prolific and uh, power counter trap, wham, kick your ass. Yep. They take Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma in the second round. Per SIS, uh, Humphrey over his three years with the Sooners in man run blocking concepts uh, to his gap running backs ran six for 6.9 yards per carry. Um, they signed Joe Tooney, you know, very well. Now the Patriots run everything from zone to split zone to man, you know, very well how important it is for Patriots offensive linemen. And, and Tooney has always been great to be able to, to execute those man-on-man power concepts. I think the Chiefs are going to go from from a primary zone team to a variable line group. And Andy Reid, remember, he's a line coach. 
go, going way back. So him and Andy Heck, they, they can execute this. This this will be a transitional issue. But imagine giving defenses one more thing to think about, not just a pass pro, not just opening stuff up for Edwards Lair and all that. But imagine just from a blocking perspective and, and you know, figuring out what people are doing in protections, giving defenses one more thing to think about with all that you already have to think about when you're facing the Chiefs. So I don't think it's just a new offensive line. I think it's a sea change in their overall philosophy. And I think Andy used this sort of scrap Fisher, scrap Schwartz. We're going to start all over. We're just, we're, we're not going to replace like as like, this is yeah. now what I want to do. And Andy has been ahead of the game as far as trends for a long time. He was, you know, people used to laugh at spread game coordinator. They're not laughing now. No. Um, I think if you add what Tyron Matthew is the second best defensive player in the NFL, in my opinion, Darren Donald is Matthew. Um, he is the best slot defender in the league. He's the best or second best safety in the league. I can't think of any other guy in the NFL at any positions where you can say he's top at one and top at another position. And especially in the value offenses, the value to defenses with being able to put guys in multiple positions and I, they have to re-sign him. Um, Tyron Matthews value, I think is almost as high as any player. Um, you know, the Jerry Sneed came out of nowhere. Chris Jones has lost a little weight. They're going to move him around. He's already a freak. Um, to me, Kansas City Chiefs are going to be the best team in football. That doesn't mean to me they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they're set up to have they're set up to be the best team, the hardest team to stop, the hardest team to beat. Now, the tough thing for them though is you look at the AFC versus the NFC just on the whole. Yeah, they'll have the tougher road. Yes, I mean you're talking about Buffalo, you're talking about Cleveland, you're talking about Baltimore, like. Whoever gets out of the AFC to the Super Bowl will have earned it, I think. I just think it's a deeper conference. Well, the thing, the thing always with the Chiefs is who has the capacity to either roll with them on offense or stop them on defense or do both? I think Buffalo and Cleveland right now. Yeah. I don't, Maybe think, Baltimore. I don't think Baltimore. I mean, they'll, they'll have to get much better. You can't the run the ball against Patrick Mahomes when Patrick Mahomes is healthy and protected. You can't do right. that. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to get better in the passing game to do it. You know, you got to punch your weight. So, yep. anyway, you have the Bucks as number one. I have the Chiefs as number one. Do you think um, – now, the Buccaneers are the first team since the 1979 Steelers to return all 22 of their starters. Steelers were Super Bowl champs in 13 and 14 as a result. Do you see the Buccaneers running it back? Sitting here right now, I do. Um, it wouldn't now, surprise me one bit. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to do. It is incredibly hard to do. Um, almost but, 20 years since it's happened. 03, 04 pass. As somebody that is seven months older, almost to the day, than Tom Brady, like, you get dinged. It takes a little bit longer to recover. Now, maybe they had, they had, by the way, they had the, the lowest uh, adjusted games lost in the NFL last year. Yeah. Something like 30. And yep. the Niners okay. had like 160 something. So yeah. you need some now, injury luck. That doesn't always year. mean, it doesn't always mean anything, but it usually means something. Yeah. We'll see. So, I mean, that's something to keep in mind, but sitting here right now, early August. Yeah. I, I think they can run it back. 
Well, uh, yeah, it could be a Bucks Chiefs uh, rerun. I see it going a different way, but uh, I'll go with the Bills. I just, I, I'm not just doing that to make Chris Perone happy. Yeah, I, I kind of see Bucks Bills in the Super Bowl. That would be fascinating. Yeah, that would be fascinating. Cool. Well, all right, Mr. Data Bowl, Mr. Data Guy. We've got almost two hours. Good Lord. Yeah. Whew. All right. Uh, I'm going to post this bad boy and uh, happy football tonight, everybody. And Mark and I will be starting up the pod once again. And uh, off we go. Off we go. All right, man. Take care. We'll talk to you. You too, my friend.